Are you someone who doesn't take life too seriously? Do you sometimes find that a shot of whiskey isn't only deserved, but needed? If you said yes to either of those, welcome to the Whiskey and Lace podcast, where we have honest chats with everyday people, shit shows and all. I'm your host, Erica Altus, and I'm here to empower you to be the best version of yourself and perhaps share in a shot of whiskey. Now pour yourself a glass of wine and let's go. All right. Hi, Chelsea. Welcome to the Whiskey and Lace podcast. Hi, Erica. Thanks so for having me. I'm so excited to have you in my living room again. I'm so excited, too. <laughs> um, so for those of you that don't know who Chelsea is, Chelsea is one of my friends, good friends, and an interior designer who helped make my abode the way that it is. And she has a store in downtown Santa Rosa called Olive and Rose Studio. And she is an expert at her craft. She is so good at what she does. And I just feel like so many people are a little foreign to the you know, interior design world that I wanted to have you on here and explain a little bit about yourself and what you do and what you offer and how you got to where you are. So Chelsea, tell us a little bit about yourself to start. Well, my name is Chelsea Miller and I'm from Sonoma County. I have been an interior designer for 25 years now. Um, I started when I was really young. Do you want me to tell you a little bit about like how I got started? Yeah. Like, I mean, what led you, like, did you always have like a creative mind when you were a kid? Did you love making things pretty? Did you play house? You know, like, how did you know this is what you wanted to do 25 years ago? I've always had a design bug. I mean, even when I was younger and my crazier years, like I was always decorating my room when I was probably like nine or 10 years old, I actually came to my parents, the design proposal. Oh my gosh. Um, my sister and I shared a room and there was a downstairs playroom that was, we'd sort of grown out of. Uh-huh. And before I asked my parents if I could move into that room, I like put together like a whole plan of how it was going to work, like what furniture we were going to repurpose, what things they were going to need to buy, I drew a picture of it, like, I'm going to have these curtains and this kind of like a comforter. And my parents, I think, were like, <laughs> I don't think they could really say anything. I mean, I had like this <laughs> like, whole wow. plan. Yeah. This is detailed. Yeah. So I think that was like the first big design move for me. But um, my grandmother and my great aunt, like back in the day, We're both really into design. My great aunt built a house in New Jersey that was like epic. They're both past now, but they just had the design bug too. So it's like in your blood. Yeah, it kind of is. You know, it's like I was around these women growing up who um, put a lot of emphasis on like having really beautiful homes and they were always like perfectly put together. And so I think they were a big inspiration to me. I always had a little bit of a, an, inkling towards it. I was a very artistic in high school. And and then when I graduated high school, I didn't really know what I was doing. I'd moved to Colorado with a boyfriend. He had like his whole life laid in front of him and I was totally lost. I was just like working odd jobs and I knew I needed to get into school, but I had no idea what I wanted to study. And so I asked myself, what would I want to do if I didn't have to get paid for it? Like what were things that I enjoyed doing naturally? That is such a good approach to like figuring out what you want. I think so too. Yeah. And I don't know where I got that wisdom from at that age, but anyway, (laughs) 
I just asked myself that question and, you know, I had made this little apartment for my ex-boyfriend and I, and like, it was the nineties. So I sponge painted the walls oh and I bought like, God, I forgot about sponge. Oh painting. yeah. Yeah. No, I, I fully sponge painted the apartment, like got permission from the landlord and what color was it? It was like <laughs> pink and yellow together. Nice. Uh-huh. It was it was um, super, very super groovy. Kind of Tuscan, you know, like okay. it was funny. But, uh, you know, I had inherited furniture from my parents, or I don't even remember what we had, but like I remember like going and buying like slip covers for the chairs. And you just wanted to make things pretty. Yeah. I think I innately valued just having like your environment be a pleasing place to be. Like I couldn't imagine like leaving my parents' house and like living in like a dump. Totally. I needed to like have a home that felt So when you, when you kind of came to the realization that interior design is something that you loved and that you would do without getting paid, what was your next step? Did you go to college for it? Like what did, you know, what was your, your next move? Yeah. So I actually moved back to San Francisco and I enrolled in the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in San Francisco in their interior design program. And I would say, you know, it was like an 18-month program. I learned a ton of hand drafting, which I know a lot of kids don't get the opportunity to learn now with AutoCAD and SketchUp and all these things. But it ended up serving me really well. But Design school was great. I mean, it taught me a lot of the things that aren't innate. I always tell people, like, you either have it or you don't. Like, you can't teach. I don't have it. Well, <laughs> I disagree, Erica. I disagree. I think, I mean, we can touch on this when we talk yeah. about your project, but I feel like you had a really clear vision for what you wanted your home to look like. And so there is like a, your store. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I think you I think you naturally like gravitated towards a look and it right. very reflective of your lifestyle. Oh, thank so you. I I give you credit for your clarity because well that's I will be you know I think I did discredit myself a little bit because there's people that I know that are just like don't have it at all you know so exactly. you're right like, yeah they yeah. just don't you care have an and that's okay too right like yeah. you don't have to love that your house is put together yeah. you know but yeah. some people really do care about that yeah. So. So then you, so you go to FITM and then, and then what happened next? So while I was at FITM, I ended up getting a job as a design assistant with a firm in Mill Valley and the girls were young that I was working for. I mean, at the time I didn't realize how young they were. I was probably like 22 and they were like in their late, uh, late twenties. Oh, okay. So they were really young, but to me, they seemed to like know what they were doing and have it all (laughs) together. And, um, they were in reality figuring it out as they went to, mm-hmm. which I think as a business owner now, I realize like we all are just figuring it out. You know, so true. it is. Yeah. There's no perfect answer, but yeah, I worked for them as a design assistant and they kind of just threw me in. Like I didn't really get like a lot of like one-on-one handholding. It was just like catch up. And figure Good it luck. out. Yeah. You got this. And I got a lot of honest feedback from them. Like they'd send me on like little errands to go to the design center to get fabrics. And I would like come back and they'd be like, yeah, we can't use any of this. Like <laughs> not good. So, um, so back to the design center you went. Yeah. So I learned, you know, I think one of the most important things in any, I don't know, I guess I can only speak for design, but you kind of have to learn the rules so you can learn how to break them. 
So I learned the rules, you know, according to these two designers and then my sense of style and, you know, what rules I adhere to as a designer have sort of evolved from that, you know, listening to my own voice and, but I got a good foundation working there. And, and then I actually left when I was 27 and tried to open my own design firm, which was okay. Okay. Did not go great. I was a little too young for that. And then we actually moved to Tennessee for four and a half years. And while I was there, I ended up working at a furniture store and the owner, you know, she gave me a job, which was so awesome because I don't think she needed to hire anybody. And she already had two designers on staff. So she just sort of, I worked in the store I helped people with design when they needed it, but she also let me help with a lot of buying, which sort of opened my eyes to the whole other side of the design and furnishings industry, which is the vendor side of things. And I learned a ton. I actually ended up leaving there. And when we moved back to California, I started working for a furniture manufacturer based out of North Carolina. They're Belgian, but they they live in produce in North Carolina. And that was great. I really needed a break from design. I needed to kind of figure out what my path was going to be in the industry. And so I went to work for them and I was the territory manager for the Western half of the United States. And I would travel all the time and I would go visit these accounts. And it was really awesome for me to see, you know, some of them were designers only some of them were designers with retail. And I started seeing the business side of that. And it just was so smart to me. I was like- Like they almost go hand in hand. They do. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I get this now. Like you're an interior designer, but you're your own resource as well. And not only that, but you're telling a story totally through your retail store. Makes so much sense. And, and from a person who's used you- I mean, the first thing I did when I walked in your store for our project was I want it to feel like this in my home. And so it kind of shows your presentation, you know, having a store and being able to be like, this is what I can do. Yeah. Really put your pen to paper, if you will. But um, yeah. So when did you, I don't want to fast forward anything, but then, then what happened after that? Like, did you open all of Rose or? So actually I wasn't planning on getting back into interior design. I was more curious about the retail side of it. I kind of thought I'll open a store and I'll do some side design work, like, you know, to kind of help pay the bills and establish myself as an expert in the retail industry. And I started in retail by um, starting our gift box part of the business which we still do. And um, I utilize it all the time. I so know. does Mark. I just <laughs> delivered a box for Mark the other day. Yeah. <laughs> and it still makes me so happy. But the idea with the gift box company was it would give me a little, you know, a chance to get my feet wet in retail without having like a retail space. So it kind of gave me an idea of like, how do you buy and how do you buy in quantity and how do you market yourself? And So it was a really good first start. We had a little studio downtown Santa Rosa. It was upstairs and it had two rooms. There was like an office that we had. And then we had this little front space 
and I outfitted it like a store because I wanted people to kind of be able to come in and shop their own products to make their own gift boxes. And it started looking more and more like a store. (laughs) And we started opening the doors and letting people come upstairs to shop when we were there. And then the space that I'm in now opened up and it was so daunting. And I was like, I remember I took my person over there, the girl that has been with me like since the beginning. Um, I took her over and I was like, look in the windows. I'm like, it's perfect. It's got like an upstairs. It is such a cool space. If you're not local, it's like got like such good vibes in it, brick, you know, walls. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And lighting. Yeah. it, It was perfect. And we were like peeking in the window. I'm like, look, our office can be up there and this can be the store. And then back there we could like build out a stock room. And she's like, can we afford it? I'm like, no, I couldn't pay the rent. (laughs) But I called our real estate agent anyway. Okay. And he ended up working with the landlord on a price. And I was like, you know, I just, I'm going to take the leap of faith and do it. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And I'm very much like a leap of faith, fuck it person in general. I, I, that's why we get along so well. I do all the numbers. Then I go, yeah, doesn't, none of this makes sense. I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. I'm totally a we'll figure it out person. How long ago was that? That was in September of 2019. Oh, yeah, man. I know, right? What a time. Yeah. So, we were open for one month before we got shut down for a fire. Oh, the wildfires. Yeah, wildfires. Yeah. And then we um, were open another five months and then I got shut down for the pandemic. Oh my gosh. So, I didn't realize that that was how close to those events that you opened yeah. up your business. It was crazy. It was like I had barely even... So it didn't make sense on paper. No. <laughs> and then you probably didn't pencil in a pandemic and wildfires. No, not at all. It felt like... I feel like I've been pivoting since the day I started my business, but I've also learned that that is business. It's true. It just is. You can't fight it. Yeah. You just got to deal with it. Yeah. There is no normal. Totally. You know, I went on a retreat to Morocco with a bunch of women last year. Which was such an awesome trip to watch. Oh my God. It's amazing. And I will just say, if anyone listening is a business owner, a female business owner, the retreat is incredible. Um, the woman who's hosting them is doing them, I think, twice a year now. Uh, she just got back from Morocco a few months ago, and she's planning one in Mallorca in the fall. It's a limited group of women, and it's incredible. Um, Will you send me the link to that? We yeah. can link it up with this podcast if you're interested in doing Absolutely. something like that. So on this retreat, we had you know a lot of workshops, but we also had the opportunity to kind of talk to each other and mentor each other or get our questions out and talk about what we were struggling with as female business owners. And I, my big thing that I was stuck on at the time was I don't know what my business should look like in a normal time. And these two women, these amazing real estate agents from LA who've been in business for a really long time, were like, there is no such thing. There's no such thing as normal in business. You'll never have a constant. Such a good perspective and such good advice because that's something that you would probably just fight with yeah. had you not heard that. Yes, you know? exactly. It was one of my biggest insecurities is I just thought, I have no idea if I'm doing this right because I've spent the majority of my business either in a pandemic or dealing with wildfires or just in some sort of pivot mode. and. I didn't 
realize until then, and it took me a little time to kind of process their answer, but I didn't realize until then that they were totally right. You will never not be pivoting in business. It reminds me of um, of the Friends episode with Ross and the couch trying to get up the stairs. And he's like, pivot, pivot. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And that's just now forever going to ring in your head. You're yeah, welcome. Totally. I mean, right, right when you get things like into a groove, it's like something will come along. Totally. And now and we're like just dealing like with this like, too, right? Yes, like, 100%. I mean, right now we are dealing with this like, you know, supposed pending recession or economic slowdown. And that's changing our business a lot too. But if you're strong and you can kind of see what's ahead of you, you can. You're a really solution-based person. I am. I'm very much. I am like not like in this. I mean, I am like, but I have to like cry about it first. I know. Yeah. No, I, I go inside. I like, I'm very tough and I go inside and I'm like, get your shit together, Chelsea. You can do this. That's why I love you. Yeah. No, I, I am very, it takes a lot to take me down. Oh, I, I believe it. Yeah. That's why I love I'm you. I'm not saying it's not hard and I'm not saying I don't cry. I definitely right. do. Right. I, there are definitely days where well, I, Chelsea's world and my world, it was so funny. It hit me when we were going through a process of building and we lived at our other house. I had to call Chelsea in the morning and I'll never forget this phone call because I call her and anytime Chelsea, you can hear probably on this podcast, how like calm her voice is and just like, so like pretty, you know, like her voice. And she answers, she's like, hi. And she has like jazz playing. It's like 8 a.m. And my house is fucking chaos with kids running in the background. I'm like, what do you do? She's like, I'm reading a book, you know, yeah. and like sitting in my yard or something, you know? And I'm just like, man, is your world different than mine? I know. <laughs> Everyone says that. We don't have kids. So, yeah. I mean, that is a huge... Kids add a lot of chaos. They to the add a lot sure. of chaos. But it was just so like, I, I just fell in love with you so much in that moment. You I know, love and I've, I love you so much. And it was just like... Oh my God, I love that she has jazz playing at like 8 a.m. on Tuesday, you know, like just so calm and, you know, her environment is just always like anytime I go to your home, it's so peaceful and just welcoming. And that's why I knew that we were going to like be a good, like you were going to be a good fit for our build. And so you open the shop and then you also are doing design on the side. Yes. And I think I found you through Peter, Mark's business partner. Yeah, yep. He was using your boxes for clients, real estate clients. And I don't really remember the first time we connected, but like, I think it was through a box. <laughs> yeah. Well, I met you, you were pregnant with Charlotte. Okay. And that you came to a meeting with Peter. This was before I had even the studio. Uh-huh. And you came and Peter was like, she's my person. Like whatever she tells me is good. Like, uh-huh. and we were trying to pick out products that oh, yes. he okay. liked for their gift boxes. And um, then after that, I think I dropped off like a gift box to you, like for say you could try the products. It was like a little like try it out. calming, like pregnancy. Yeah. Like, oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, and then I think after that, I opened the store and you came in and I wasn't there that day, but Andrew, my husband was in and you said something like, oh, I really want to talk to your wife. We're building a house and I really want to talk to her. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So I think that's- Because we built that during the pandemic, which was amazing. And so when I approached Chelsea, my, you know, I knew that home build, it's not for the week. Like it is a lot of work. And I was actually a little intimidated when 
we decided to do this project because so many people had said to me, oh gosh, like if you can like go through a home build with your husband, you can get through anything in marriage. So I was a little like worried. So I don't know how I sold Mark on the idea because he's so frugal, you know, and I think, well, actually also we worked together. So like we had that angle together where we really helped each other. So Mark was like down with that. But I was like, I, we are going to need somebody. And we used Chelsea not only for design, but for like as a buffer. And so I remember coming into your store and I just always loved the way I felt when I walked in and I knew I wanted my home to have that vibe. I wanted people to walk in and not that I want them to stay forever, but I want them to, I wanted them to feel like a comfortableness, you know, like sit down on my couch, you're in my home, you're comfortable. And people to this day will come in my house and they will say, I just love how cozy it is. Oh, and I, I like every time I hear it, I'm like, thank you. You know, like that was my goal, you know, and it would not have been done without you. And I will tell you that if you are building a house, hire, if you're local Chelsea, or if you're not hire an interior designer, why do you think it's important for people who aren't experts in the field to lean on someone like you and hire an expert? I think that's such a good question. I know interior design, access to an interior designer is not for everyone. There are costs associated with it. But if you have a vision in mind, or if you don't have a vision in mind, the benefit of working with an interior designer is in the details. I think on one side, on the design side of things, which is what everybody thinks about, there are so many details that we've executed in the past or that we're aware of that a typical homeowner may not know. And part of that is maximizing character and, you know, really adding those thoughtful details. And I think a lot of people go with what feels safe, what they've seen before. And we almost did that. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that we were seeing a lot of during this time, because where we live again, got decimated by a wildfire. So everybody was building their houses and everybody was doing white houses yep. with black trim yep. and everything was like that. I mean, it was like the epitome of a house built in 2021, you know, 2020, 2021. And we were originally kind of thinking that. And then Chelsea was like, I'll never forget. She's like, what if you didn't do white for your exterior? What if you did like a cream with like white windows? Yeah. And at first I was like, cream. And then like I started driving around and seeing what she was talking about. I'm like, yes, I actually love that, you know? And so you helped us not go with what we were seeing constantly, you know, in that one aspect. Well, one thing that was really helpful is that you were showing me photos of other people's houses that you liked and nothing about that felt like the black and white house. And that was what I loved about your approach too. So when we hired you, you know, to partner with us, you started a Pinterest board. And for me being a visual person, what I loved was that we had a Pinterest board for every room and you just said, Erica, go and pin what you like. And then you kind of took that as like your lead on, you picked up those details of like, this is what you're liking, you know, like yeah. this is the direction we should go in, you know. And and that's another important thing about what an interior designer can offer is we know how to extract details that are making the visuals that you're handing over come to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean. Because there are so many details like you guys building a house, like you have to think about like a door hinge. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> and so there's a lot more and I have such appreciation for homes now because I went through that process and not everybody's in the place of being able to build, you know, from the ground up, but it just does make you appreciate like 
every single thing because you don't realize you have to pick all those things out. And so having someone like you there to not only help make those decisions, but keep us on track, the timeline, you know, and like not getting ahead of ourselves and making sure that we picked things at the right time. Yeah. It was so help. I would have never known. And I think that's the other big thing about hiring an interior designer that a lot of people don't realize if they've never built a home before is the timing of when things need to be decided is not what people think it is. A lot of people think, oh, lighting and tile and things like that, you know, those going at the end. There's so many things that need to happen before the very end when all the pretty stuff goes in. I mean, as a goal, we try to have all plumbing selections, the whole lighting plan. We try to have all of those details decided before framing is complete on a house. Because a lot of those decisions affect the way that your builder builds your house. Yep. So where are the electricals going? What plumbing fixtures you're using make a huge difference because you have to have that rough-in plumbing in before you can close in with the sheetrock. Right. So those decisions that don't seem like need to be made until there are so many further decisions. down the line, those have to be decided very early on. And in order to know what you want your kitchen faucet to look like, you have to have a vision for what yeah, the rest you can't, of the like, kitchen is going to look stuff like. Unless you're like really have a lot of disposable income because no. it's expensive, you know, to yes. time is money. You time know? is so. money. And that is another big thing to consider too about hiring to your designer is yes, it's expensive. It's a huge investment, but delays in construction will cost you a ton too. Totally. And mistakes. Nothing breaks my heart more than hearing somebody say, we just built our house and it's done and it's not really what we were hoping for. When we do hear that like way more often than you would think. Like, Oh, totally. We just built our house and it just didn't turn out the way we were hoping it would. Yeah. And it's because they didn't know how to direct the design from the very beginning. Right. Right. And I remember like what I loved about having you be a part of the process is like when we went to the tile shop, I mean, that can be so daunting to people, you know, like you walk in and there's so many details and they're not details, but like options. And you took the world of tile from a million choices down to four options that you knew I was going to like. And I literally was like, oh yeah, nailed it. You know, like, yeah. And, and I was, I don't want to like pat myself in the back, but I like did make decisions, I hope, relatively quickly. I was just like, yes, let's just go. You know, I didn't like him and ha on things. Um, So that's important too, you know, is to know what you kind of want, but you help guide me through that for sure. We do a design development process in our design too, where we sit down, we want to know everything about you up front. Like, how do you entertain? Do you have a large family? You know, do you throw dinner parties? Like, how do you see yourself living in this house? You have kids dogs, you know, what's, what are the elements that we need to know? And then that process is so that clients know that we are listening, that we understand who they are because the next thing we want them to do is let go. Yeah. And that's really important. Really had to trust you. Yes. I mean, I was like fully like, take it away, you know? No, you were, you were so good (laughs) about that. And it's hard. And I don't blame people who struggle with letting go and trusting, but that is why you have hired us. It's really important to know, like, I know this seems foreign to you. Like, I'm going to show you stuff that you may be uncomfortable with. Just trust me on it. Like, it's going to all make sense when it comes together. Okay. So let's say that you are in a position of, you know, you're not building from the ground up, but you are in your home and you want to either renovate, 
do an addition or completely like gut it? Like where would you find yourself to be of benefit to somebody doing that? Because I would say arguably living within a renovation and adding on is probably harder even than building a house because you're not, you're living in it. So would you say that is really like you could be very beneficial for people or helpful to people who are going through that process as well? A hundred percent. I mean, a renovation, whether it's a kitchen, a bathroom, you know, or just like a single space is a microcosm of a new build. I mean, it's all the same process. So let's say you're doing a kitchen remodel, you're still dealing with the same type of timeline and the same decisions that need to be made as you would as if you were starting that kitchen from scratch. I mean, you're basically, typically most people, I mean, at least in our world, most people, when they're remodeling a kitchen, they aren't saving anything. You're typically talking about improving space layout. I mean, we don't typically deal with people who are doing kitchen renovations where they're keeping the same layout. They want to maximize the space or open it up or take space from another room to make the kitchen function better. A lot of people will buy a home, whether it's new or old, and they'll live with it the way it is for a while until they figure out like exactly what doesn't work for them. And that's usually what, in addition to wanting to just update things aesthetically, I feel like most people are motivated by a kitchen or bathroom remodel because of function. Right. You know, it's not working. And it's always good for, if it's a really bad kitchen, it's always good to do it for real estate purposes too. Yeah, 100%. Um, So we go through a similar process when we do something like that. You know, there's engineering and architect or architectural drafts person involved doing drawings and... We still go through a permitting process, you know, getting that to the city and getting everything approved for that. And then we go through the whole design development process again. Like, what do you want this to function like? Are you entertainers? Like, what wasn't You're really there to hold their hand and guide them through it, which was so important. And when Mark and I got stuck, it would be like, all right, we're defaulting to Chelsea. And I will give you credit. You didn't just like take my side. No, 100%. (laughs) So like if you are local... I shouldn't just say if you are local, do you do any remote work or is it really strictly local? We haven't done any remote work yet. There's no reason we couldn't. It would just depend on the project, the scope and the timing, right. all that. Okay. So reach out. Yeah. Okay. Either way. She's always up to pivot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know everybody's going to ask this question and I know this question is going to be very hard for you to answer, but Everybody wants to know, like, how much does it cost, really, to hire an interior decorator? And let's say, for the sake of it being, you know, most of the audience is probably going to be doing a renovation of some sort. They're not building from the ground up. Let's talk about cost on that side. Yeah, it is really hard to give a number. I know everybody wants a number, but it's so specific to what the project is. But I would say, you know, oh, gosh, <laughs> it, it's it's hard to yeah. know. I would say if you're doing a new build. I would plan for our fees, like let's say you're totally starting from scratch on a new build, I would plan to set aside like anywhere from a hundred to two hundred thousand for our fees. If you're doing a remodel, again, it's it's not in exact proportion, you know, there's not a percentage, but we do have minimums for our fees based on the scope of the project. I mean, I would say like a kitchen remodel, you're probably like looking to start for our fees, you're probably looking at a minimum of like twenty five to 50000 So, Which, but you, like you said before, 
you could make huge mistakes along the way that 100%. not only cost you close to probably that, yeah. but I mean, just, just the process alone and the stress it can cause yeah. when you have somebody like Chelsea, trust me, I know that that sounds like a sticker shock fee, but it's worth it. Like, yeah. You, you really did make it such an enjoyable process to the point where now, look, we're like doing it again. And I literally told Mark, I said, I'm not doing it unless Chelsea's involved. And he's like, oh, okay, we can do it. We've done it before. Let's just mimic our house. I'm like, nope. Yeah. Like a hard no. You yeah. either have Chelsea involved in some sort of capacity, big or small, but like I need her to be there because I just know that you know what you're doing. Like you just hire experts, you know, and yeah. you are really, really an expert at your craft. Thank so, you. you know, I just think that if you are on the fence about it, really consider it because it, it will save you stress. It will save you time. And when you're done, I can almost bet that you will love the outcome. I mean, people ask me all the time, what do you regret? Like, is there any like decision that you made around your home that you regret? And the only one that I have so far is that we didn't put a garbage can in our island. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. Like, and so that that's awesome, you know? Yeah, I mean, I know. it just, it, it turned out exactly how yes. we wanted it, you know? And I called Chelsea multiple times crying because Mark and I couldn't agree on stuff. And yeah. so you're really also not just like, a designer. You're like a therapist. <laughs> well, and I will say that I think the other thing that people don't realize, like a little behind the scenes of the design process is people think of the design process as just like picking finishes and figuring out like layouts and things like that. There is so much more to totally. it. The whole project management side of a project, I mean, the documentation that we have to hand over to a contractor to convey those ideas I mean, it's more than drawings. It's, yeah. I mean. Oh, Mark, it's so annoying when I show him a picture of Pinterest. It's like, cool, Erica, source it. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's it's sourcing your ideas. It's documenting it. I mean. And there's so many options that yes. that's really hard to do. And you really explained, too, the places for us where it's made sense to spend more money and the places where you can cut corners. And that, again, hiring a designer will help save you money. You know, there was certain areas where she's like, don't fight this one with Mark. Like, let him have it. Like, yeah. it's no big deal. 100%. You know, but then like on our couch, for example, I was concerned over the price and you tell us why spending money on a good couch uh, is a good idea. This is my, uh, I don't even know what you call it, but this is like my stake to die on is good <laughs> upholstery. It kills me when people buy inexpensive upholstery. And there's a few reasons why. First of all, you spend more time on your sofa than you do in your car. It is such an essential piece. People know the importance of getting like a good night's sleep and buying a really good mattress. Why would you sit on a lumpy, poorly crafted piece of upholstery every night? <laughs> I mean, you're on that sofa every night. It's like where you read books to your kids. And yeah, it is important. And the piece of buying good upholstery that people don't realize is that it's all about the construction of the frame. It's not just the cushions and it's not just the fabric and the, you know, what it's filled with. Those are important, but those are in support of a good frame. Right. A cheaply made frame will break down so quickly. And I know there's people out there who will argue with me and say, I don't really care. I just want to get a new sofa every four or five years. Okay, fine. That's your thing. I don't like throwing things in the garbage. I think things should last. And just like buying a really nice car, you buy a really nice piece of upholstery, you take care of it, there's maintenance involved with it, but it'll last you forever and it'll support you. Yeah. 
And, and as far as fabric is concerned, I think that that's a huge thing, especially when you have kids. Like people will come in our house and be like, gosh, you have such a light couch, like uh-huh. a color couch. Like how do you get away with that? And it's because literally we can spill anything on it and it will come out yeah. and it's a really well-made couch. So that is, you know, it was worth spending the money up front because we just know we're going to have it for so long yeah. than just like switching it out and dealing with that, right? Exactly. That's a headache. We're designing everything to last. Right. And I feel like I'm sure there's designers out there who are fine designing like inexpensive. It's not even about cost. It's about durability. I'm sure there's designers out there who are fine designing homes that aren't durable, but it's an important thing for me in what I consider choosing for my clients. Like your cabinets, I want those to last. I want your countertops to be the right fit for your family. You know, sure, buying really inexpensive hardwood floors up front may seem like a good idea, but then they're trashed in a few years. Yeah. And you're left with floors, which is such a foundational piece of the home that are scratched and not holding up and warping. and But not everything has to be expensive either, you know? Like it does. You just know like quality of certain items is worth putting, not just money, but like attention towards. Attention. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Yeah. One of my like hero interior designers is Nate Berkus. And I remember when he first started working with Oprah and he was on Oprah's show and he came on and said, she said, if you can only buy one thing for your entire house, like for somebody starting out, what should you spend your money on? He said, you should spend all of your money on a sofa. He said, it'll be with you forever. It'll travel with you everywhere. Doesn't matter if you're in an apartment, just buy a really good sofa. And then the guests come over, they sit on it. Yeah. Half the time you sleep on it. I mean, <laughs> it it is an important piece. jump on it. Yeah, yeah, it really is an important piece. So I mean, we'll if we are dealing with like a client's budget where we need flexibility, we'll spend the money on the sofa and then do less expensive chairs. Right. You know, if they feel like the sofa is going to be the place where they're spending the majority of their time. Where would you spend, spend the least amount of money? Do you even have an answer for that? Like, <sighs> where would I spend? The- well, you know what you did tell me? You, when we were building this process, you remember the one aspect that I like hated, like the one detail in a home that everything lighting. I hated. Lighting. <laughs> yeah. I hated lighting, but then you really like, and you can go inexpensive on lighting, but you really made it known that like, that's not a place to skip. Lighting is no. so important. And yeah. now looking around, I'm so glad that I listened to you on that, you know, because it does make a huge difference. Yeah, I would say I think lighting's hugely important. I mean, it's they say it's the jewelry of the home. So true. And it is true. Like, I mean, it elevates everything. Remember the light in yes. in our entryway, you oh, guys. Yes. This I think I probably have a picture of it somewhere. Uh, yeah. Do you remember what I said it looked like? You said it looked like a helmet. <laughs> so, if you remember the movie with Cuba Cuba Gooding Jr. and it's a diving movie. Yes. <laughs> It looks like it looked like the helmet, and right when it came in, I was like, "I no, can't, like, I can't." No, it is an eyesore, yeah. and and it made all the difference. And you worked with it. You said, "Okay," you took it down, you brought it back to your store, yeah. and we got something much less. <laughs> I'm looking at it now, yeah, yeah, and it's just it's just perfect. You know, it's just like a little touch. You know, but the yeah. other one was such an eyesore, and she knew like right away. Well, I can't do this. Yeah, you know, exactly. But, um, but anyway, so if. If, is there any trends? Somebody did ask me the question and I thought it was a good one. Is there any trends like the black and white trend of houses or any other trends that you see that are like kind of dying? 
Yeah. I mean, the, the black and white trend is definitely dying. It's funny because my house is white outside of the black windows. <laughs> my husband's like, what are we going to do about this? I'm like, we're not going to do anything with it. We're yeah. just, we're rolling with it for right. now until we repaint our house. And I'm not saying that that's not, can't be a lasting, I mean, I've seen it's very it done. classic. I've seen it done really well. Right. But the problem is just like any trend is you've got where it started from, which is really well done. And then it kind of gets bastardized along the way. <laughs> like it's just trickles down totally. to like the most, I don't know, unthoughtful place. And like, and then you just start looking like your neighbor all the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying like it can't be well executed, but like, I think you have to be really intentional. It's one, probably like one of the number one answers we get on our online questionnaires. Like when we ask people like what their style is, they'll say farmhouse. And I'm like, what does that mean to you? I think the farmhouse trend has become very vague. And so, you know, there's all different styles of farmhouse. Right. I mean, even like, I feel like that whole farmhouse thing started kind of with Chip and Joanna. Yeah. And even then, if you look at their home, it is so intentional. Right. It's not this like copy and paste totally feeling. And so I would say in general, trends are always <laughs> trending down, you know, just anything that you've seen done over and over again, or that you can like kind of copy and paste from Wayfair or if there's like a magazine at the grocery store that has like an entire issue, like the black and white yeah. issue, yeah, it's probably time to let it go. <laughs> and when, again, when I approached you, we kind of were like thinking that too. And then you switched us into like, we don't, I would not consider a house farmhouse at all. It was more like, what do we call it? Like California cottage. cottage. Yeah, California cottage. And yeah. I was like, all right, I can get on board with that, you know, but it was those details, you know, like paint made a huge, like that was a huge thing for us too. Like, yeah you know, painting our front door. And uh, we need to give credit where credit's due for Mark because he chose the Dutch door. Yes. And I'm telling you right now, I know people are always like, what about bugs? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Get a Dutch door. Yes. It is such a cute detail on a home and we use it all the time. Like, and when we plan to build this new build that we're making into a spec house, like, I feel like that's kind of going to, if, if it allots to it, it's going to be like our little stamp of this is yeah, who we are. It's totally. like the Dutch door because you don't see it very often, but it adds so much character to a home. A hundred percent. And I was like stoked that all of us like agreed on that and good job, Mark. Yeah. If you can make decisions in the building process or in the design process that don't necessarily cost you more money, but add charming character, I just think, I mean, we see so many new construction builds right now where it's lacking character, it's lacking yeah. character. Like, and it's, it's like, boring. it would not have cost that contractor or that developer any more money to add in more charming details. Yeah. And Hey, if, if charm isn't your thing, great. Good <laughs> on you. Probably not the designer for you. Right. But I want a new house to feel like it's been there for a while or that it will still look relevant in 25 years. Yeah. I, I don't like building and you houses. You do a good that, job of mixing in old with new. Like there are a lot of pieces in my home that are from Target. Mm -hmm. But then there's also like a honey pot that's like vintage or something. I don't yeah. even know. Like and so you're you do a really good job of mixing those elements that I love that we have pieces on our on our shelves that tell almost a story. Yeah. 100%. And I think that 
I would not have thought of that. And shelving to me is very intimidating. And I'm sure it's intimidating to a lot of you, but Chelsea did a very good job. And I'm sure if you just went into her store and asked her for some help, like took it, take a picture of your space. I'm, I'm like selling you, but yeah, like, and no, I hope you would, you're okay with me offering this to people, but she'd be able to say like, Hey, grab these five pieces and then go to target and mix in maybe, you know, these types of elements. Sure. And so there is a good mix between, you know, the books and the things from her store, but then, you know, you do have these other things from target and it yeah. just, it, it all comes together, but she can help guide you, you know, like, yeah. Or her staff, you know, when you go in there, it's really not that different than how you kind of curate your wardrobe. You know, you're going to have like fundamental key pieces that you've spent money on, like that perfect black leather jacket. And, you know, everyone knows jeans are like so worth a good investment. Um, so, you know, you have these really foundational key pieces in your wardrobe that you've invested in, and then you can kind of move trends in and out around that. Right. And it's the same with styling. You know, the most natural looking homes are collections. And it's not that important that something, you know, is from Target if you've got other storied pieces in there. Right. You know? And Target has some cute shit. I know they do. <laughs> I can't, I mean, we always do a Target run for every styling project. I mean, there's so many good accessories out there that we just could never access. I mean, CB2 is great. These collaborations that Crate and Barrel is doing with like Leanne Ford and- uh-huh. Um, Althina Cadrone, like these collaborations are great. They're curated, they're well thought out, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, sourcing from some right. of these big box Can places. someone just use you if they wanted to style their home and not yes. do like a renovation and they just want to use you to like spruce it up a bit? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We, we do styling only as a service. It's, if you go to our website, um, I'll get, I'll send you a link to it, but when you fill out a new client consultation form, there is an option for styling on there. And we will come in and just style. Perfect. So, and and that can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. I mean, a lot of people move into like a brand new home and they purchase the furniture, but they don't really know how to give it the finishing touches. Yeah. So in that case, like we'll typically do like pillows and throws and shelving, you know, decor, art, yeah. um, all the things that kind of make space feel cozy and warm, but we can also just come in and do your shelves or like we have people all the time who want to come in. They just need their bed styled, you know? Yes. So makes a big difference. Yeah. So we do do just styling services. Well, so I hope that you gathered from this episode that Chelsea can help you from big to small projects. And if you're local and you have not been into her store and you need a gift for somebody, I'm telling you, I go there like once a week. Charlotte always like, can we go to Chelsea's store? Uh It's usually on a Tuesday. Um, And we just, anytime I need a gift, I mean, I did our teacher's gifts there, you know, like you're just going to find something for everybody and it's going to be unique and it's going to be things where people are like, where'd you get this? Mm -hmm. And you just, I love, I love your store so much. And anybody, again, if you're local, go in. You can also shop online. Yep. Can you do created gift boxes for people that are remote or no? We totally can. Um, they just need to reach out. Okay. Yeah. We just kind of need to know like, what's the, what's the gift about, you know, what kind of elements do they want to see? What's their budget? Um, but yeah, we, we ship gift boxes all the time. You just have to reach out to curate one. Okay. And like, what's the timeline on that? Like, like a week? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty quick. I mean, we're there Tuesday through Saturday. Um, usually somebody can put something together for you that day or the next day, just kind of depending on 
what it is and we try and get things shipped out right away. And so just depending on where okay. it's going and how much you want to pay for shipping. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And I just think there's something so important about shopping local. And that's kind of what we did with this, you know, this home is that I really did want to support as many local people that we could. And I just think it's so important. And so, you know, shopping at her, whether it's shopping at her store or utilizing her for design purposes, I can give my stamp of approval that you are in such good hands and you will be so happy with choosing Chelsea and her team and Olive and Rose Studio. So thanks, Erica. You're welcome. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Absolutely. Um, And if you guys have any questions, I will leave all of Chelsea's information below in the comments or in the bio. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Erica. All right, friends, that's all for today's episode of the Whiskey and Lace podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share the love and leave a review. And remember to join the Whiskey and Lace community by following me on TikTok and Instagram at Whiskey and Lace. And send me a DM to say hi and mention this episode. I'd love to meet you. See you next week.